and welcome to the Thinking Not podcast. I'm Cap, and I am not joined by Charles today. He's traveling internationally, so I'm doing this season recap without him, but with his blessing. In this episode, I'll be looking back at our first season in what I hope will be a humorous and heartfelt way, and I'll talk a bit about what comes next. So what does it mean that we're ending the season, and why end the season now? I'll take the second question first. Charlie had it in his contract that we must end the season on an odd number. He refuses to be boxed in by round, even numbers, and he demanded that we end on episode 19 just to help people accept that things are sometimes messy and uneven. He's kind of a diva that way. I'm serious about him wanting to end on an odd number, but not about him being a diva. Although, he does require me to only put brown M&Ms in the studio candy dish, but that's only because they're usually the last M&Ms eaten, and he wants to make sure they know they're loved equally. That's just the way Charlie rolls. Now, what was I talking about again? Oh, yeah. In podcasting, seasons are arbitrary designations. They tend to indicate a break in regular programming. So our season ending doesn't mean that there will be no more shows until next year. If listeners tell us that they want more of this thing that we do, then we'll likely be back in the fall. As for why end the season at this time, it was just a feeling that we had reached a point where we needed to sit and reflect on what we've done and where we want to grow next. Charlie had some travel and other projects that he wanted to work on, and I had to move my son to a new city and also have several projects that I want to dedicate some time to. We both feel really good about the content we put out, and we're just sensing that after nearly five months of episodes, it was time to step back and let our hearts feel for what comes next, which is where you, the listeners, come in. You see, this season recap is actually a cleverly disguised commercial for feedback. We've set up a page to collect some information from you, what you like about the show, where we should improve, and what topics you'd like us to cover in a season two. The feedback page is hosted on my website, but you can just go to thethinkingknot.com and it'll automatically redirect you to the survey. Remember, that's thethinkingknot.com to fill out a survey. Please take a few minutes to give us some feedback. It'll really help us to determine if there's a demand for a season two or if we should just find another way to try to make a difference in the world. Charlie and I are both excited about a season two, but only if it makes sense for both us and the listeners. So again, please provide some feedback for us to reflect on as we feel our way to what comes next. Okay, enough with the commercial. Over the last few days, I've re-listened to every podcast we did this season. Talk about torture. No one should have to listen to their own voice for 20 hours. But I made a point this time, not just to listen, but to listen intently, to shut everything else out and to take notes on the content. And I came away full of awe and wonder all over again. Charlie's simple truths about love and caring and lifting each other up and forgiving ourselves is salve for the soul. I'm filled with gratitude for the opportunity to learn from him and to share him with the world. 
One of the things that I appreciate about Charlie is that he doesn't take himself too seriously. So I've taken that trait as inspiration and hope for this recap and hope to have some fun looking back at the season with you. So without any further hesitation, let's get into it. The Thinking Knot is a podcast developed to help those who are trying to become better, a little bit better today than yesterday. It is an honest dialogue about the real-life challenges we each encounter as intention meets obstacle in the course of an every day. In our conversation, we weigh rational thought against our gut feeling of what is right, and we forge a path together using what is in our hearts if we can all just awaken and get into rhythm with that beat. Thanks for joining today's discussion. I've got several top five lists for you today. Top five lists seem to be the staple of blogs and internet articles and podcasts. So I figured, hey, if artificial and meaningless competition is good for all of them, it's got to be good for us too, right? So my first top five list is my top five worst mistakes from season one. And as any podcaster worth his weight would do, I'll read them in reverse order to build suspense and drama. Because between climate change, pandemics, and authoritarian regimes taking over governments around the world, the one thing we truly need is more drama. So here goes. My top five mistakes from season one of the podcast. Number five, trying to think about what Charlie was saying. It is appropriate that the name of this podcast is The Thinking Knot because Charlie tied my thinking brain in knots every episode. While I was trying to process one thing he said, he had already said two or three other things that I had to try to process. My mistake was thinking, and what I was thinking was that I had to facilitate Charlie, that I had to try to herd him like a border collie into the corral that was my agenda. In doing this, I often missed out on moments of brilliance that I should have reacted to or probed rather than trying to get him back to something easily digestible for the listener. As I learned in re-listening to every episode over the last few days, you can listen to these episodes over and over again and pick up new bits of wisdom every time. My fourth biggest mistake was calling English psychologist and author John Amici an African-American. No, he was born in Britain, and I am a stupid Yankee. (laughs) Luckily, I edit the podcast myself, so I was able to catch that and remove the embarrassing American-centric mistake in post-production. Which brings us to my number three mistake, sound and editing. Yeah, we struggled sometimes. In my defense, I had to not only learn sound equipment, but also audio processing software. I've done a deep dive on mic levels, reverb, ducking, noise gates, de-essers, vocal warmth, multi-track mixdowns, not to mention podcast hosting services, ID3 tags, and multi-service distribution. All of this is made more challenging by the fact that I have a voice that has never needed a microphone, and Charlie talks like a languid priest in the confessional. This is all a self-serving way of saying thanks to those who endured my learning curve and stuck with us. I think we've figured it out finally, and the sound has improved. 
Now, eventually, I may go back and remaster all of the early episodes, but that would mean listening to my voice again, and as I've already said, I'm sick of that. The number two mistake I made this season was sending Charlie a picture of my multicolored index cards before our second episode. It was a joke. Suddenly, I'm in therapy for wanting to be organized. To all the listeners who questioned if I had Garanimal-type tags on my clothes to know which shirts go with which pants, and those who questioned if I ironed my underwear, yes, yes, I do to both questions. And finally, the number one biggest mistake I made this season was, drumroll please, trying to do a magic trick for Charlie. Seriously, what was I thinking? I even prefaced it by asking Charlie to try to pretend he was a normal human being, but that's like asking Joe Biden to not tell stories about trains. I knew I was in trouble when Charlie said he couldn't say what kind of animal he was hearing because how could he even know what an animal was? Do you not know how amnesia works in movies and books, Charlie? I still wake up in a cold sweat at least once a week over that magic trick. I wanted to share some thoughts on the first season. As I've already mentioned, I listened intently and took notes on every episode over the last few days. And in doing that, I really tried to feel for what Charlie was expressing and trying to do rather than analyzing it word for word. And I was amazed. There is so much there that is beautiful and bold and brilliant. We started this endeavor because I got so much out of sitting and talking to Charles that I thought other people might as well. He is not an icon or a demigod or a guru or a shaman. He's not a savior or a martyr or monk. He would be the first to tell you he's not a role model or beacon. He's simply a man who has learned through careful reflection and practice to try to love all whom he crosses paths with. As we spiraled down an abyss of judgment and finger-pointing and hate brought on by poor leadership in a pandemic— I felt like Charlie's simple encouragement to try something else was not only needed, but essential to restoring some semblance of caring, some baseline of community. Charlie and I wanted to try modeling how to have a conversation that wasn't life or death, but that dealt with important things, to model how to disagree with someone and still like them, to show that it's possible to have a loving relationship that's based on a connection a spark of humanity, a trust born of faith in mankind. We hoped that people would actually listen and find some value in all this, that they would see how caring begets caring, that something doesn't have to be commercial or competitive to be useful, that effort is more important than being first or best. One other thought on the season. In episode 17, Charlie objected to my word choice when I talked about wallowing in the goodness. My wife, Kim, and I discussed that later and looked up the word wallow and discovered that it is indeed a good thing. Pigs and other animals wallow in mud to cool off and even have some fun. So I want listeners to know that I'm going to spend the off-season wallowing in the goodness of the moment and the love of a friend who I would do anything for. 
And I hope you will all wallow a bit too. Okay, here's a quick top five list for you. These are the top five things I learned this season from Charlie. Now, before I start this list, there's one honorable mention that just missed making the top five. And it comes from our 10 Random Cards episode from June 2022. And it is this. Don't give Charlie broccoli before entering a small studio together. Enough said. Listeners who remember that episode know what I'm talking about. Okay. The number five thing I learned from Charlie this season. Thinking is only concerned with self. Feeling is concerned with others. Number four. When I link circumstances and my serenity, I suffer. We were talking about whether you could be happy if you didn't have all of your basic needs met, and this, I thought, was a little pearl from that subject. The number three thing I learned from Charlie this season, and I love this one because it came from our discussion of spirituality and how we're all connected. It was in one of my favorite examples that Charlie used all season, and this is what he said. The uniqueness of you in no way contradicts our commonness. The metaphor he used to encapsulate this whole discussion will show up in another list shortly. The number two thing I learned from Charlie this season was this. Thinking will not bring me to love because thinking thinks of all the things that could go wrong. Love goes, I don't care. Even if it goes wrong, I'm going to keep trying. And the number one thing I learned is this, which I might tattoo on a body part if I was into that sort of thing. Caring isn't an exhaustible resource. It is unlimited. Don't ration it out. Don't save it up for a rainy day. There will always be more you can draw upon. Okay, that brings me to one of my favorite top five lists from season one. The top five Charlie examples or metaphors. I'm a sucker for a good example. And we have an excellent one that didn't make the list because Charlie didn't say it. This one was said by our only guest in season one, Jaron. His metaphor was of pilots who run across turbulence and shared the location with other pilots so they'd know where they might encounter it and how to not run into the same patch of trouble. And he used this to discuss how men need to do the same kind of thing with other men to help them navigate the minefield of growing their emotional intelligence. Great example, Jaron. So now on to the list of the top five examples or metaphors Charlie used in season one. Coming in at number five is the broken lamp example, which we came back to several times in the double episode having to do with imposter syndrome. Number four, the hot stove, which Charlie used to describe the difference between thinking and feeling in episode six. Number three, and everyone's favorite thing to do on a hot summer day, the stadium of fun, where the fun is free, 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 from episode four. I thought about not putting this on the list because I still haven't gotten my invitation to the stadium to have fun, but I decided not to be a party pooper. The number two example or metaphor was the circling versus spiraling instruction that Charlie gave me way back in episode two. I both enjoyed being chastened about word definitions, but 
Also, thinking about the idea of spiraling having up and down motion and picking up energy. My number one example or metaphor that Charlie used in season one was in the very last episode on spirituality. His snowflake example was marvelous. Not only just the fact that one snowflake's uniqueness doesn't contradict the shared commonness of snowflakes, but that in the context in which we were discussing it, the idea of a snowflake dying through melting but being reborn as ice was excellent. It was all just very clever, but also inspiring. I, I don't know how he does it, how he comes up with these things with no preparation, whether he has them all memorized to pull out when needed or what, but he does it over and over again, and it always surprises and delights me. Well, that just about does it for me and for the season recap. I'd love to know what your favorite moment of the first season was, so I hope you'll tell us when you fill out the feedback form by going to thethinkingknot.com. Here are my favorite moments from season one, and this is not a top five list because there are way too many favorite moments, so this will be a top ten list. My number ten favorite moment was Charlie's reaction to viewer mail on our second show. I love surprising him, and his laughter as we read viewer mail was awesome. Number nine was Charlie showing a video on a podcast. He was so earnest, and I gave him such a hard time for playing a video on an audio medium. Number eight was being joined by Jaron for our episode on male emotional intelligence. Not only did he bring down the mean age of the show by a good amount, but he also easily doubled the IQ. It was great having someone join us and sharing the fun. My number seven favorite moment was the very first time the mics went on. Charlie and I have been having conversations for years. When I first mentioned the idea of a podcast to him, it wasn't just a no, it was a hell no. But when he finally decided to do it, he asked for a few basic guidelines. He wanted no commercial activity surrounding the podcast. This was a project of love, not profit. Second, he didn't want it to be work. He wanted it to be spontaneous and unprepared, just like our conversations had always been. Of course, I couldn't do it that way, but I told him it was fine if that's how he wanted to approach it. So we get into the studio for the first time, and we're just going to have a conversation. I tell him a bit about the microphone and start to go over what I want us to talk about, and he shoes me away. He wants to go in cold. So I tell him, okay, here we go, and I turn on the mics and begin the introduction and throw it to him, and he just freezes. There's a pause as his thinking brain realizes that we're now live, and he momentarily looks like a deer in headlights, and then his heart takes over. If we had had video equipment, you would have seen the moment he disengaged his brain and his heart started feeling for what to say. And he was smooth as silk. My number six moment was not just one moment, but several. It was every time someone who I didn't know listened to the podcast reached out and told me how much a particular episode helped them. Thank you, and please... Keep sharing your feedback. Number five was realizing when we decided to end season one that I wasn't sad 
or angry or even happy. I was at peace and filled with gratitude. That's a completely different mindset than where I would have been a year or two ago. Number four was Charlie's random southern accent appearing repeatedly out of nowhere in episode 15 on happiness. I'm not sure where that came from, but it makes me chuckle every time I hear it. My number three favorite moment from season one was talking to my wife and my boys about episodes. It opened dialogue that I never expected. I knew I'd be having great discussions with Charlie, but I never imagined going in how that would expand to include family and friends. It has been an unexpected but welcome windfall. My second favorite moment was getting to spend time with Charlie every week. I've shared on the podcast how I moved a lot growing up, and in all that moving, I got to the point where I stopped making friends because I was tired of having to abandon them every year, year and a half. My friendship with Charlie has enriched all parts of my life and made my relationships with others even stronger. In Charlie's words, caring begets caring. And finally, my favorite moment of the season was getting to say cuckoo in the outro for our help episode. You see, this is the real reason why I talked Charlie into doing a podcast in the first place. This is a long payoff, so stick with me for a minute. In 1979, in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, I bet Audrey Kowalski of the famous Kowalski sausage family that I would be so famous one day that I could say anything she wanted me to say on the radio. She laughed in my face and told me she'd believe it when I sent her a recording of me saying cuckoo So I got to college and I worked hard to land a spot on the college radio station. Being a private religious university, we weren't allowed to play the Beatles, but after months of carefully biding my time, I finally figured out how I could slip that phrase into a reading of Psalm 95. But just as I was about to do it, the campus lost power, and I interpreted that as a sign to not mix Beatles and the Bible. Needless to say, fame and radio opportunities eluded me for 40 years. Sure, I'd slip cuckoo into the occasional corporate training. People still talk about that HR video I did on cybersecurity when I dressed like a walrus and sang cuckoo to be safe. But I knew that wouldn't pass Audrey Kowalski's rigorous muster. And then I spotted my chance in the guise of a wise man. So, yeah. You can say I've been using Charlie just to get to this point, just to win this bet, but I prefer to think of it as love conquering all, even a 40-year-old bet with the Sausage Queen. So yeah, that was my favorite moment from season one. Okay, we've reached the end of season one. Stay tuned over the weeks ahead for some bonus episodes where we share outtakes and random bits from season one that didn't make the episodes. Please take a moment and give us your feedback on our first season by going to The Thinking Knot and filling out a survey. Thanks for allowing me to indulge my need to put one final podcast out so we could end on episode 19, thereby bringing a smile to the face of my good friend. He would have been crushed if we had ended on an even number. In the last full podcast, 
the one on spirituality. We were talking about whether connecting to others is a learned trait or part of our spirituality. Charlie started talking about a feeling you get when two people try intently to understand each other and the love and appreciation that grows when one opens themselves up to another and when they allow themselves to feel for a connection. And it struck me in re-listening. This is what Charlie has been trying to tell me all season. Stop thinking about why that's there, whether it's evolution or a learned response to something that helps us feel good. Stop analyzing it. Stop thinking and just revel in the wonder that such a connection can grow and that a feeling of love can exist between two people who aren't born into the same family. Wallow in the love. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's recap, please tell us by sharing your feedback at thethinkingknot.com. That's www.thethinkinknot.com. You can find more of Charles's writings on his blog at owningourselves.com and more of my work at liveforwonder.com. Thanks for listening. We hope your journey is filled with wonder and that Audrey Kowalski hears me say cuckoo ka one more time.